0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Oaks podcast, which exists to provide biblical clarity on psychological topics and issues. My name is Jill Reese, and I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. This episode is the first of two bonus episodes, including talks from our Oaks summer event, which took place on August 4th, 2023. And it was about identifying and processing our emotions with God and others. In this first talk, Danny Eben shares about how to identify our emotions and the purposes of various emotions. Danny is one of our professional collaborators with Oaks, and she is a licensed clinical social worker and a substance abuse counselor at the Center for Christian Counseling in Madison, Wisconsin. We hope this talk is helpful toward better understanding God's created purposes for the range of human emotions and also your feelings that you experience. I want to kind of frame a few things. First, integration is really messy, and that's kind of what we're trying to do is integrate psychology and theology, but we want to do it in a way that's not just frosting psychology over the gospel or vice versa, but that's really looking at the ancient truths and the redemptive pathways that God has that are ancient and that are very human and very spiritual and that are for us, and that psychology might have landed on just in observing humans and how God made them. So we really want to do this work of deep integration, and uh, we don't want to like offer inert platitudes, because that's what's really hurt a lot of people in the church. And so that's not our goal. We hope that we're going and shooting for something deeper, but it's also messy to, to do the work of integration. And with that, um, I want to mention language. So we have tonight we have a speaker who is a clinical counselor, and we have a pastor. And they might be using different language, but talking about the exact same thing. And so this part of the work of integration is to look at what do we receive, what do we reject, and what do we redeem from psychology as we look at it through the lens of the gospel and the scriptures. And so we're trying to do that work even tonight. And this is part of it. It's like we're opening a conversation for you guys to be part of. So this isn't completely comprehensive. We're hoping to kind of kick off the practice of processing your emotions for you and also the conversation in the church. And so please feel free to reach out if something doesn't sit right with you or you have questions. You can always reach out to us. We are real humans and we're in this conversation with you guys. Okay. Okay. All right, so now we, we are going to start with our first speaker. Her name is Danny Eben, and uh, she was one of our speakers for the Made Whole Conference, and she spoke on the topic of addiction. And I'm going to read her bio in case you don't know who she is. Uh, so Danny Eben is a licensed clinical social worker and substance abuse counselor at the Center for Christian Counseling in Madison, Wisconsin. She has been working in the field for over four years in various hospital and clinical settings. She has experience working with both young people and adults struggling with various addictions or mental health diagnoses. She has also worked with women who were victims of sexual or domestic violence. She is passionate about coming alongside those who are held captive by their thoughts, hurts and habits or whose loved one is. Her goal is to help Open people's eyes and minds to the healing that God desires for each one of us, to learn to challenge our habits and to walk in the freedom that a relationship with Him provides. Having lived life with spina bifida, she understands what it feels like to try and put a band aid on a much bigger wound that God intended to redeem and use for His glory. Danny was born and raised in Wisconsin with missions experience in rural Mexico. She plays wheelchair basketball, enjoys making charcuterie boards, and loves spending time with loved ones while staying active. And she is w- one of six kids and an auntie to 12 the 12 most beautiful children in the entire world. Um, so I just know that both professionally and personally, Danny is the queen of cultivating and practicing exactly what she's going to talk about and um, practicing positive emotion and processing through these negative emotions in a deep way towards healing. So... Let's welcome Danny. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um,
1: Jill, also, I already handed you the wrong clicker, so sorry about that. It's this one. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome, welcome. Uh, like Jill said, my name is Danny. And update on the bio niece number 13 is on the way. So. Uh, and the oldest one is 11. So there are lots of small children in my family, none of which are mine. None of which are mine. I get to send them home when I am done with them. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and get started. That's just my title, me. Um, okay. These are important questions that I am hoping to answer in my talk today. Okay, um, I will be honest with you guys. I don't tend to follow notes super great. I'm a therapist, and so I'm used to walking into a room and talking to someone and being like, what are we gonna talk about today? Right, what's, 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 the, what's going on today? So having to write an outline, and then produce the information and come up with it myself, I'd kinda rather just like have a conversation. I'm pretty casual, so if I make this interactive, feel free to participate. All right, but those are important questions that I'm hoping to answer. Um, What are emotions and where do they come from? Because they come from somewhere. We don't just, they don't just come from nowhere and they don't just show up out of nowhere. Um, What in the world do we do with them? Valuable information. Okay, when we get them, how are we supposed to know what to do with them? Why do we have emotions? Again, kind of with the where do they come from, but there's a specific purpose for them. Okay, um, we are designed as emotional beings, and that's not for no reason, so we'll figure out why do we have them. And then fourthly, I'm going to make that a word, uh, fourthly, we'll talk about barriers to feeling those emotions, okay? Um, some people find it harder to feel their emotions than others. There are many reasons why that can be. We'll talk about some of those factors. Um, And then Jill touched on this, but I do just want to say, like, this is not an all-encompassing talk on emotions. Like, there is so much more that we could dive into. This is really just scratching the surface. So, um, whether it's tonight or whether, you know, you run into me a different day, I'm happy to take questions. Um, But I would encourage you guys to just take this information Um, And do some praying about it. Do some thinking about it. If you have people in your life that you trust, talk to them about it. But this really just scratches the surface on emotions. Um, I'll be honest, as a therapist, when I get asked to do a talk on emotions, I would need like six hours to encompass all of it. So we're going to give it a go in 45 minutes. Okay, this, the quick science of emotions. Oh, I thought that font was going to be bigger, but we're going to go with it. Um, the giant circle, the colorful circle that you guys see, I believe you actually have one of those with you, that's called a feelings wheel, um, and imagine it's a wheel of feelings, okay? It's exactly what it sounds like. Um, every therapist you talk to is gonna have what I call a therapist, like an essential toolkit, okay? Talk to anybody I've ever worked with as a client, This is something that I talk about constantly, probably to a point of being annoying, okay? The feelings wheel, though, what it does is it starts at the center and gives you like broad, I'm gonna say like an umbrella of emotions, okay? And then it branches out and gives you more specific emotions under that umbrella. So like, I believe anger should be one of those. Um, Or mad, sorry, red is mad. Um, then if you branch out from that, you're going to get lots of feelings or emotion-related words that fit under that umbrella of mad, okay? Um, If you go on Google and Google a feelings wheel, you guys are going to see a lot of different variants of this feelings wheel. Um, This is just one that I happen to pick because I like it. And there's some that talk about the body sensations that you experience with emotions, because different people like to start in a different place to identify emotions. This is a really good tool to get you started on that, though. All right. Um, So something that I just think is kind of a fun fact, because it's a fun word, um, our emotions are housed in the part of our brain called the amygdala. Not that you have to remember that information; it's not entirely relevant, but it's kind of a fun word, and it does tell you that there is a like biological reason why we're experiencing the emotion. The emotion, sorry, that we are. Okay, it's in the amygdala, that part of our brain. Depending on how intensive an emotion you're feeling, sometimes I'll talk about something called an amygdala hijack. All right, so like during a panic attack, for example right? Your amygdala is actually getting enlarged, and the other half of your brain that houses the logic and thinking is shrinking. So there is a biological reaction that's happening in your brain during something such as a panic attack. Um, Our body and our brain, they communicate back and forth, okay? That's the uh, emotions and body sensations piece. So if we were to name an emotion uh, you might be able to tell me where in your, in your body, excuse me, you feel that emotion. A lot of times we'll ask people, right, where do you carry stress in your body? For me, it's my lower back. I feel that reaction in my lower back. For you, it might be entirely different. All right. All um, right. Neural pathways, not entirely sure I'm going to talk about that very much, but just know that in our brain, we have things called neural pathways they are comprised of emotions, thoughts, and body sensations. And the thoughts can be traded out for memories sometimes. Same thing. Okay. So if we think of a memory, we'll have emotions related to that experience. We'll also have body sensations related to that experience. Okay? Um, that comes out a lot in the work that I do on trauma that's one of my specializations is trauma work and so if we're trying to desensitize traumatic memories for people we can tap into the body sensations they experience and the emotions and in that work we can actually desensitize as they remember those events um, honestly what the feelings wheel comes down to the top reason why I love it is that it shows God's, like God's design as far as our, I call it our enormous capacity to be able to feel and experience those emotions. Okay. But like just about anything in life and Nick will probably dive deeper into this, but you know, God, God designed certain things and he has certain parameters and intent for them. But us humans have a tendency to distort those things. Okay, but there is a design for our emotions. He did create them or he allows us to feel them, but he gives us certain parameters for what we are to do with those and what we are to not do with those. All right, Uh, quote by myself, emotions are street signs, they are not roadmaps, okay? Um, Lisa Turkhurst as a author. She says it similarly. She says, emotions are indicators, not dictators. So both of those are the idea that emotions are things that are sending us signals. They are things that we are to acknowledge and we are to examine and we are to say, okay, what, what do I need to know from this? But emotions are not the things that we need to base our entire life off of. And they're not the things that we need to be pursuing as far as, well, I'm feeling this, so I think that this is what I, what I should be doing, right? Well, let's pause before we, before we just start pursuing things that we're feeling. Um, but again, they're street signs, they're indicators, right? So they are things to stop and pay attention to. Um, I call it get curious, right? We are to get curious with our emotions, which means start asking questions, All right, Um, so a couple, uh, one of the main questions I put on here, how do we balance observing our emotions without putting too much importance on them? Okay, something to keep in mind that we'll dive into in a little bit, but it has that valuable information. We just need to figure out how valuable is it and what is the action or inaction that I need to take? The third point on there is one that people tend to wrestle with the idea that we will not always like what our emotions are signaling to us or what our, what our feelings have to say to us. All right, there's a lot of times where our emotions are signaling something that quite frankly, I don't know about you guys, but I would rather not experience or I would rather not pay attention to. Sometimes it can be really hard to sit with that long enough to ask ourselves the important questions. Um, so again, emotions are street signs. They're not roadmaps, okay? They're indicators, but they're not dictators. Our emotions do not get to boss us around and tell us how to live our life, okay? And if I'm ever going too fast, somebody just tell me, because I talk fast and I click fast. Okay, the loop of emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. Um, If I was more tech-savvy, I would actually wanna draw this as a triangle, if I'm being honest with you. But I'm not tech-savvy, and so I just figured out how to do three squares next to each other. So, if you guys are taking notes and you want to do this as a triangle, by all means go ahead. But what I'll do a lot of times is I'll draw a triangle, and I'll put emotions at one point, thoughts at another point, and behaviors at the third point. Okay? Um, Again, for those of you taking notes, if you want to take a minute and do that, go ahead. Once you have that triangle with one of these words in each of the corners, I'll usually draw a double-sided arrow, just pointing that, like, the two go back and forth to each other, okay? The whole idea behind this is to acknowledge that our thoughts, our emotions, and our behaviors all fuel each other. doesn't matter what direction you go in that triangle or, or what direction you go in that loop. Those three things are always going to fuel each other and and direct one another, okay? So through different therapy styles, what we tend to do is we tend to focus on one of those three things and say, okay, if all three of these influence one another, then what happens if I can change one of these? If I can change one of them, then can I change the other two? The answer is yes. Yes, you can. Okay, so you can change all three of these by changing one of these. Um, And something to make note of on here, again, sorry, hopefully this font is big enough. Um, Under emotions, uh, lots of studies have shown that the average feeling or the average emotion lasts about a minute and a half or 90 seconds. Okay, a lot of times people will try and rebuttal that, or they'll try and push back on that and give examples of times that they were really angry for like a week, right? Or times when they were really hurt by something for uh, X amount of time, okay? A lot longer than a minute and a half. But what I do then is we start talking through their thoughts about it, and we start talking through the behaviors after they experience that emotion. And what we come to find is that their thoughts were very focused on what or who they were upset about, or that their behaviors were behaviors that were fueling that emotion. Okay, so we have more control over our emotions than we give ourselves credit for, or then sometimes we like to admit. So if you're noticing that an emotion is sticking with you a lot longer than a minute and a half, take a look at the other two things and see if there's changes you can make. Are there thoughts that we need to be willing to let go of, right? Are there behaviors that we need to pause from for a minute and figure out what we can be doing differently, okay? Um, I'm not gonna dive into it too much, but I will say there are a couple exceptions to the 90-second rule. It's things like um, complex grief, um, certain types of depression, there are a few exceptions to that rule, but standardly, as it pertains to emotions, it's going to last about a minute and a half if we a- allow ourselves to, I call it like observe it and let it pass. Okay? And then examine those other two things and ask if our thoughts or our behaviors are what's fueling and keeping us in that mood. Um, okay. All right. Um, Sorry, I'm gonna go back for a second because I forgot something I was gonna say about this. Who in here has seen the movie Inside Out? Is anybody seen Oh, Yeah, a whole bunch of you have seen it. Okay, cool. If you haven't seen the movie Inside Out, please go watch that movie, okay? Sorry, I'm really stuck on the 90-second thing right now, but if for those of you that have seen this movie, okay, I'm not gonna try, I'm not gonna give any spoilers, but most of the characters in this cartoon are the emotions inside this little girl's head. And it shows them throughout the whole movie just like fighting with each other and trying to work together to make decisions and going back and forth on things. And there's a control panel that the emotions work from. And there's a constant battle going on between all of them of who gets control over the control panel. And I think that that's a really good depiction of the fact that if we're experiencing something that's uncomfortable, or we're experiencing an emotion that we don't like, give it a minute, right? Another emotion's gonna take over. Those of you that haven't seen the movie, go watch it, you'll understand what I'm saying. Okay, now we'll go forward. All right, feeling versus reacting to, okay? Um, In Ephesians, it talks about, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Okay, so it talks about the fact that anger is going to happen, but again, parameters around it, right? We are not to sin. We are not to hurt ourselves or other people out of that emotion. Could pick any emotion, right? But that's, it's a verse that specifically speaks directly to anger. Okay, so a, a protocol that I like to utilize as far as what do we do with our emotions, I call it the three Ps or P cubed. Number one is pause, to identify the emotion. This is where something like the feelings wheel comes in handy, okay? Get out that feelings wheel if you have to, um, because a lot of times, again, human beings don't tend to recognize their broad capacity to feel, right? If I were to ask you how you were feeling, you'd probably name five to 10 things, right? Sad, mad, scared, happy, maybe less than 10, right? But if we really dive deep and we pause, let's identify that feeling. What is it? After we pause, we're going to move into process. Get curious about that emotion. Ask yourself some questions. Why am I, uh, yeah, why am I feeling this? Where in my body is this sitting? The reason that the body sensations can come in handy is because odds are you're not gonna feel an emotion one time in your life and then move on from that emotion and be done with it for the rest of your life, okay? If you're anything like me, you're gonna come back to that emotion at some point, okay? So if you can tell where in your body you're feeling it, then your body can send you cues in the future and you can be quicker to recognize, oh, okay, that's scared, I feel that in my stomach, or I feel that in my chest, I I know what that is. We get a lot quicker to recognize it. So that's process. There's all kinds of questions you can ask yourself. In that phase, I just highlighted a couple of them. Okay. Only after we've processed can we proceed. That's the third P. Okay, a lot of times, if we struggle with things like impulsivity, we're switching those two around. We're proceeding, and then we're processing what just happened, probably wondering why we just did what we did or why we just said what we said. So make sure we get those in the right order, okay? Proceed comes last. Um, And the main question there is, what do I need to do based off of this feeling? I like to add in there, what do I need to do or what do I need to not do based off of this feeling? Not every, not every emotion requires an action, believe it or not, right? Sometimes that's what gets us into trouble. Um, important questions, right? Especially uh, if we are believers. What does God want me to do or not do with this emotion? We can look in Scripture and see, well, what did Jesus do with this emotion, there's a lot of examples in the Bible. Again, I'm not going not gonna to go over Nick stuff, but there's a lot of examples in the Bible that talk about different emotions that Jesus felt. So we know that he did, right? He had the entire emotion, uh, entire human experience. So what did he do when he felt that emotion? Okay. Um, what have I done with this emotion before? Sometimes that's a signal to say, well, maybe I should do that again because it worked out really well. <laughs> Sometimes it's the exact opposite. Right. Sometimes we have to reflect back and be like, "Well, I did that last time, and it hurt me, or it hurt somebody else, or it didn't didn't pan out so well. So maybe I should make a different choice this time." All right. Um, last but not least, I know it's kind of running off the screen. Sorry about that. Consider the relational aspect. Okay. How is this relationship? How is this emotion impacting my relationships? Uh, The bottom says with God or others, okay? Or even myself, I should add that in there. How is it impacting my relationship with God, others, or self, right? Um, So consider the relational aspect. And then we can go back up to the proceed and say, well, what do I want to do with that? Okay. All right. And again, the feeling versus reacting to It's not wrong to feel our feelings, but we do have to pay attention to that reaction and make sure that it's in alignment with our values, our morals, with what God says, okay? All right, distractions versus sitting with, okay? As humans, we tend to land somewhere on a spectrum of either not allowing ourselves to feel emotions or We land on the other end of the spectrum, and we dwell on them, okay? And we entertain them for too long. And either one can get us into trouble. If we don't figure out what that middle ground is, we're probably going to run into some issues, right? So how long do I sit with it, but when is it time to move on? And am I letting myself, a lot of times I will say in my work, am I giving myself permission to move on? I can't tell you how often we are the person that is in our own way, so we have to give ourselves permission to heal. We have to give ourselves permission to move on from things when we when we need to move on from things, and we have to give ourselves permission to feel things that we need to feel. Okay. Um, not all emotions are comfortable, but again, we have to be willing to sit with them long enough. I'm not asking you to to sit with it for hours if that's not necessary, but we do need to to be able to sit in the uncomfortability. It's okay to be uncomfortable for a little bit. Okay, so a question to ask yourself, where do I tend to fall on that spectrum? Am I the type of person that needs to focus more on the letting myself feel and letting myself be uncomfortable or am I the person that's maybe been holding on to emotions for a little bit longer than I need to and I need to be willing to give that over to the Lord or process that with someone and let go of what I've been feeling. Okay. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why we tend to hold on to those things, but not many of the reasons are, are healthy ones. Okay. Sometimes it can come from, I hate to say it, but almost like a sense of entitlement, like I deserve to feel this way, or I have a right to feel this way. There's probably a reason you feel that way, but how is it helping you to hold on to that? Right, it's it's definitely a practice in humility to be willing to give that emotion up. Okay. Um, the impact of trauma and addiction. Uh, I'm gonna be careful how much I dive into it because these are my areas of specialty, and I could do an entire talk on each one. Um, but just know that trauma and addiction both impact our ability to feel our emotions. Okay. Um, If we have experienced like big T trauma, if we've experienced trauma in our life, that actually shrinks the parts of our brain that uh, produce like logic and, and memory and reason and things like that. And that amygdala that I referenced earlier becomes very hyperactive. So a lot of trauma work is figuring out how to level those parts of our brain back out so that everything is the same size, so that we're we're even keel, um, and that we're not experiencing this influx of emotions at times when we don't need to be, okay? Um, That's kind of the amygdala hijack I was talking about as far as anxiety and panic attacks. Um, Our brain almost becomes like a, I'll bet people in here have experienced like a faulty smoke alarm before, right? When it's beeping and there's literally nothing going on, that's what our, that's what happens with our brain when that amygdala hijack is going on. It's a faulty smoke alarm. It's sending signals that there's danger when there's not actually danger, okay? Um, addiction, uh, really all I would say about that is, um, addiction can become an agent to numb our emotions. Um More than likely, the emotions that people are numbing with their addictive behaviors are the ones that they 're either uncomfortable feeling or that they 're unsure how to feel okay if they 've never been taught how to feel that emotion or if they 've not had a lot of experience or, or maybe they 've seen somebody feel that emotion in a really or express that emotion in a really unhealthy way, right Those are all reasons why we might numb. An emotion when we experience it, it's, it's almost like a, either a fear response, of I don't feel safe experience, or, uh, I don't feel safe feeling that emotion, or again, sometimes it's just a flat out I'm not sure how, and we have to teach ourselves how to feel each emotion. Okay. Um, I do always say when I talk about things like trauma and addiction, you may not be responsible for what happened to you or what you experienced but you are responsible for choosing to go through the healing process, okay? Um, I just always say that when I talk about trauma, okay? Because I like to, I like to, cool, separate out for people um, what we are and are not responsible for with really severe things like trauma, okay? Start talking about trauma and I drop everything. Okay, influences on our approach to emotions. Alright, there are things in each of these categories, well, I'm just going to say each of these categories influence how we look at emotions, how we feel about feeling emotions, um, and even like which specific emotions we are willing to feel, right? Um, So environmental factors, right? What was I taught about feeling and expressing emotions? Um... This could also fit into the relationship one, right? But depending on our environment, I'm sure each of us in this room saw different expressions of different emotions, either as kids or as, ad- as adults now, okay? And that can develop or that can help formulate our relationship to any given emotion. Uh, religious factors, right? What kind of teachings have we heard about emotions, right? Depending on our view of God. How does God feel about emotions, right? What, what emotions do we think he has opinions on or, and what are those opinions, right? So there are, there are religious factors as well, depending on what our upbringing and our experience has been. Feeds into upbringing, okay? What did I learn from the people around me or my loved ones about emotions? Okay, these are all just questions for you guys to consider, but they're all things that can influence our approach and how we look at emotions, Okay, so if you grew up with people who, um, or if you grew up with whether friends or family or whoever, that uh, you didn't really talk about things, nothing got resolved, right? People got upset, and then you just separated and locked yourselves in your room for a while. And then you just pretended like it didn't happen. Odds are, there's certain feelings, or certain emotions that we're not sure what to do with, or we don't even think we should do anything with it right? Maybe some of you grew up in the opposite, where you came together and you talked about everything, to the point where it's like, really, we got to talk about this again? (laughs) Aren't there things we don't have to talk about? Things like anger, right? Everybody has a reaction to anger. Some are more explosive than others. Some people shut down. Depending on what we experienced and what we saw, that can formulate our view of what we should and shouldn't do with those emotions, And then the relational piece I kind of already mentioned, okay? But how have I seen others express or not express their emotions? Some stuff to consider. All right, so I want to highlight unhealthy versus healthy emotion regulation or emotion management. For whatever reason, I put the unhealthy first, but I want to start with the healthy, actually, okay? Um, It's kind of a three-step process. We could complicate it a lot more if we wanted to, but I kind of just wanted to simplify it for today. Step number one is observation, okay? If we aren't able to observe what we're feeling, well, then we sure as heck won't know what to do with it, right? So observe the emotion, gain familiarity with it, get to know what it is that you're feeling, put a name to it, okay? Okay. Then we move into acceptance, gain comfortability, give yourself permission to feel it. Um, oftentimes, I will hear people tell me, they'll tell me that they're, I'll say, I keep using anger, I'll use scared. People will say, I'm feeling really scared about this. And then they'll quickly follow it up with, I, I shouldn't feel that way, but. And that's when we stop and we say, okay, and how is that view of being scared helping you? If we're feeling a strong emotion and our first thought is, I shouldn't be feeling this, we're going to do everything in our power to fight with that emotion and try and get it to go away. Right? So now not only are we frustrated that we feel scared, but then we feel potentially guilty because we're scared. So now we're guilty, frustrated, and scared. When if we approach that emotion and say, you know what? I'm scared. Maybe it's okay to be scared for a minute. Maybe I need to figure out why, right? Is there a legitimate reason, person, place, or thing that's behind this emotion? And then maybe I need to be kind towards myself or patient with myself about why I'm feeling this way and what I need. Okay. After acceptance, we move into the action steps. That's basically when we answer the question, what do I need right now? Okay. What does God want me to do with this? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to do? Um, Sometimes it doesn't include other people. Sometimes it does. Okay. We'll get into the processing in a little bit. The unhealthy, I don't have a lot to say about it. Um, The main two agents, unhealthy agents, I think that we use as far as emotions would be avoidance and or numbing, okay? Um, I'm sure if we all went around, we could give examples of ways that we've avoided emotions and ways that we've also numbed emotions. I know I could. That would take a while, okay? So the healthy observation, acceptance, action steps, figuring out who we need to talk to, what we need to do. okay um this is just a really fun graphic that i have that i wanted to figure out a way to work it into my talk if i'm being totally honest with you um (laughs) happiness chemicals and how to hack them okay there are four happiness chemicals for lack of a better word that our brain produces okay i will read them off because again this font is smaller than i would have liked dopamine which is the reward chemical oxytocin, which is the love hormone, serotonin, the mood stabilizer, endorphin, which is the painkiller. Okay. So if you are an active person and you like to go to the gym, odds are you leave the gym and those chemicals have been released. You're feeling good. You're feeling a sense of accomplishment. That's what keeps us going back. If you're anything like me, though, you forget how you feel afterwards, and every time you have to go to the gym, you have to talk yourself back into going. Okay? Um, But exercise is a big one. It's in three out of the four categories. Um, Oxytocin, though, is the love chemical, uh, or the love hormone, sorry. And that's one to focus on as far as the processing and the connection piece, okay? Um, You know, if you've ever, had to, I say like, talk it out with someone, right? Or have a good cry or something like that, right? Cry with somebody. Oxytocin is going crazy in those moments. It's really important that if we have difficult emotions, that we talk to somebody and that we connect with them about it. Okay. so again, I just wanted to find a way to work those four things into my talk. Are pretty cool. And our brain, when we're living a healthy lifestyle and we're connected to people, we're connected in our relationship with the Lord, those four chemicals get released in our brain on a regular basis. Okay. The power of healthy support. Um, while God designed us as emotional creatures, he also designed us as social creatures. Okay. Um, and he designed us that way for a reason, because we need each other, right? If we were to try and go through this life by ourselves, it'd be a lot more chaotic. It'd be a lot more difficult and it would be a lot more painful. So we need each other, but we also need to surround ourselves with the right people. Okay, that's why I put find safety on there. The second point, find safety to process your emotions. That's both in your environment And uh, in the people that we are opening up to. Okay. Um, I could dive into a whole thing, but this is just about, you know, mainly about making sure that the people you're talking to are people you trust. They're people that are going to give you wise feedback or that are going to listen, and the people that are going to hold you accountable, right? Godly people is the next one who will both validate and they're going to challenge you. Right, if we're back in that 90-second thing and we're holding onto that loop a lot longer than we should, we probably want the people in our life who are going to help us reframe some things and say, you know what, I think we could, I think we could look at this differently. They'll let you be upset for a minute and then say, you know what, I think we could look at this a little bit differently. So we got to find the safe people and the people who are trustworthy. They're going to point us in the direction that we want to go. Um, And they're going to listen to us, and they're also going to be willing to to hold us accountable and challenge us when it's needed, okay? Um, There's that phrase out there, two heads are better than one. I think that's a phrase. I don't know who says it, but somebody says two heads are better than one. Make sure they're the right people, though, okay? Because two heads are not always better than one sometimes. Um, All right. In order to have connection, we need to have vulnerability and honesty, Brene Brown is kind of the queen of vulnerability. She's written book after book after book and done talk after talk after talk on the topic of vulnerability. If you're interested in hearing, I'll just read this quote first, sorry. Okay. Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It is the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity if we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. So she has a lot to say about vulnerability. If you're wanting a good place to start, um, she has a, I forget if it's a TED talk or just a YouTube video, but it's called The Power of Vulnerability. It's about a 18 to 20 minute talk that she does, and it's a really good introduction on what is vulnerability, and why should we do it? Okay, so Brene Brown, The Power of Vulnerability. She's got a lot of good resources out there. Um, and I also don't take lightly the fact that vulnerability is tough. It is tough. She highlights a lot of, like, I want to say really positive emotions, but all of our emotions are okay. But a lot of, I would say a lot of emotions that we really like to feel. But what that quote doesn't encompass, you guys, is the pain, the difficulty, right? The, the fear in being vulnerable. That goes back to the, you got to be in a safe place. You got to be with safe people. Because I get it. If we've been hurt, asking us to be vulnerable is kind of like putting us in a cage with a lion, or at least it feels like it. So take your time, get to know people, and then decide how much information can I trust this person with? Do it little by little, and I think I'm getting ahead of myself, because that's on. Sorry, there's song lyrics going up all of a sudden on the screen. Oh, lost it on there. Okay, got it, thank you, thank you. There was lyrics back here and nothing up there. Okay. Um, so I kind of already said this, right, but vulnerability and honesty itself can be really hard, and my goodness, can they be messy? Again, we probably all have experiences, or at least most of us have experiences, of times that we were vulnerable, or times that we were honest with somebody, and it didn't pan out the way that we had hoped. That doesn't mean that we should stop doing it, though. It just means that maybe we need to pause a little bit more, and, um be a little bit discerning in who we are sharing things with, okay? Um, some of the ways that this is hard and messy is if we have a lack of trust in God or a lack of trust in others. If there's not a feeling of felt safety, past hurt, past experiences, okay? Something I tell people is by being vulnerable, we do run the risk of getting hurt. We do, right? That, that's not a secret. But also, It is the only way to be connected to the people around us. We cannot connect with people if we aren't able to be vulnerable or aren't willing to be vulnerable with them. Okay. So if you're feeling emotions that are difficult, or if you're feeling emotions that you're wondering, can I talk to God about this? Can I talk to somebody else about this? Kind of a cool thing, but also a scary thing about God is like, He already knows. I hate to be the bearer of that news, but he already knows. Like, it's okay to talk to him about it. He, he understands that you feel that way. He knew it before you knew it. So yes, it is okay to talk to God about the messy things that we're feeling. And it is okay to talk to the right people about the messy things that we're feeling and the uncomfortable things we're feeling. But slow and steady wins the race on this one. Get to know people at a slow pace. Open up to them at a pace that's okay. Okay. Slow and steady wins the race on that. All right. Uncomfortable emotions. Well, how the heck can these have a purpose? Okay. I told you guys earlier, we get curious with our emotions. So next time you feel one of these things, Let's figure out what the purpose of it is. I just kind of threw up some ideas on here, okay, of one, difficult and uncomfortable emotions, and then a possible purpose that it might have, okay? Sadness. It might be showing us of our care for others and the things we've experienced and our love for others, quite honestly. That's something sadness can highlight for us. Disappointment. Shows us we cared about something. Shows us that we were passionate about it. We wanted something and it didn't pan out the way that we thought. That's a signal that that emotion is giving us. Um, Anger can highlight our our moral compass, right? And that something is not aligning with our moral compass. Um, Another thing that anger can highlight that I did not put up there is anger. Okay, I'm gonna go down this rabbit hole for two seconds. So when I talk about anger, I talk about it like an iceberg. I don't know if you guys know this about icebergs or not, but the part you see above water is 20% approximately of the actual iceberg, which means I'm not great at math, but I think the other part of that is 80%. Okay, 80% is underneath, perfect, I got a thumbs up, we're good. 80% is underneath the surface, and we can't see it. Anger, you guys, represents that 20% which means there's more than likely other emotions under the surface that have gone unaddressed or unnoticed, right? So a lot of times anger can signal, wait a second, I need to backtrack, and I need to figure out what that emotion or what those emotions were that I missed and took a detour from. Okay, I mean, I could go through all of these, but uh, yeah. Anxiety shows us our need to be in the present, Okay, trusting God rather than live in fear of the unknown or try and make something be in our control that's not in our control. Um, fear, potential danger, unknown or new experiences, shame. All right, maybe one of these days we'll do a whole seminar on shame, but all I put on that one is it's probably telling me that my view of myself is not aligning with God's view of me, okay? Shame tends to tell us some really, really harmful things about ourselves. Resentment, we might be living in the past, okay? God's desire is for forgiveness and redemption. Something to take a look at if we have resentment. Hopelessness, we might be forgetting about the ways that God has provided, where his faithfulness has come through, um, and ultimately the purpose that he has for us. If I'm feeling hopeless and like there isn't a purpose, what what does God say about my purpose? Because he's got one. Okay. So those are some of the uncomfortable emotions. I mean, honestly, you guys, I would encourage you to take a look at your feelings wheel that you have and choose which of those emotions are difficult for you. What are those ones for you? Cause they might not have been on that list. I've had people tell me that happiness is uncomfortable for them because they haven't felt it very often in their life or that excited is uncomfortable. Some of those ones that we might not think of. So when you have a chance, take a look at that feelings wheel, see which ones you can come up with that might be difficult for you. Um, and these are just some questions that I want to leave you guys with. Okay. God gave you enormous capacity to feel, but what are his boundaries for those emotions? Right? What is, what is he calling you to do as you feel these emotions, making sure that it's not hurting yourself or other people, Right. How can we glorify God in our emotions? What emotion might you need to allow yourself to feel and to acknowledge? Okay. What emotion on the flip side, what emotion might you hold on to too tightly and why? And then I didn't put it up here, but I would have like, what are those emotions? I guess that you might have a hard time talking to other people about, or are there any right now that you need to talk to somebody about? If you don't have people in your life that it feels safe to talk to about it, let's find you a person. Let's find you a support system, okay? Look at the people you have in your circles and if that safe person is not in any of your circles, let's find somebody, okay? And there you go. Folks collaborative. That's all I got. Thanks, folks.